Hello and welcome to episode 10 of The Witcher Chapter by Chapter Book Review, where I'll go through a summary of what happened in the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today I'll be discussing Story 3, Eternal Flame, from Book 2, Sword of Destiny. So, this is a good story. I feel like I say that a lot. It's just, um, I'll get into it. You know, I was going to say something about it to kick it, to kick this off, but I think instead of doing that, I'll just save those kind of comments for the end because that's what, or not the end, but for post summary, because uh, that's what I normally do anyway. So I'm recording this during the middle of the week. It's Wednesday when I'm recording. And, you know, it's been a pretty long week. It feels like at the very least tomorrow should be Friday. And I mean, I know it's going to be Thursday. We're just two days off from Friday, but honestly, it feels like today should have been Friday. So I'm excited to be doing this. Uh, this is a very nice way to break up the week. I don't record these every Wednesday. I just kind of record them whenever I get the chance. Um, once I have read the chapter enough times and I've been able to write out all my notes on it. So that's the... Uh, it's kind of nice to do it on a Wednesday <laughs> just because uh, I look forward to this and it's um, yeah, especially this week. It's very welcomed. It's just been a long week. The work week has been kind of dragging and I'm sure anybody listening can relate to that. And it's not every week goes that way, but some of them just do. And this one is one of them for sure. But I hope that you are doing well. I hope that you are staying hydrated and you are enjoying life. So, Enough of that. I'm going to move into the recap of last week's episode, and then I'll give you a summary of Eternal Flame. So we last left off with Geralt, sadly losing Yennefer after the two of them visited the town of Edgeinvel, the current town of Yennefer's former lover Istrid, who was still in love with her. She officially ended things with both men, leaving Geralt to face the feelings of love and heartbreak for the first time. All right, so the summary of Eternal Flame. It begins with Geralt in the city of Novigrad, known as the capital of the world, running into his friend Dandelion, who was pleading with a woman named Vespula, who's on her balcony, throwing objects and insults at him, accusing him of cheating. After the bard recovers his loot, the two make their way to a tavern known as the Spearblade. When they arrive, the two broke men hope the innkeeper will allow them to run a tab, but since Dandelion hasn't paid his tab from yesterday, they're refused. To resolve this lack of drink issue, Dandelion approaches the tavern's only other patron, his friend or acquaintance, a halfling merchant known as Dan Dainty Beavervelt, to spot them on the drinks. They sit down and chat with the halfling for a short time before a dirtier and disheveled exact replica of Dainty walks in and attempts to attack the Dainty sitting at the table. The dainty who's been there tries to flee, but Geralt stops him by lashing him with his belt. His form begins to change into what is described as a puppet made of mud and flour. Geralt reveals that this creature is a mimic, or a Doppler as it calls itself. Dopplers can assume the physical form of mostly anyone they wish, as well as their mentality, through means unknown to all, including Dopplers themselves. The real Dainty tells the story of how this Doppler, who we now know goes by the name or the nickname Doodoo, came to mimic him. He was traveling with his ostlers to sell horses when in the middle of the night, he went to relieve himself and saw himself standing in front of him 
and got whacked over the head and knocked out, and Dudu began taking charge of his life for the past three days. To Dainty's dismay, Dudu admits that he sold his horses here in Novigrad, a city that has no market for horses, but because of this, he was actually able to make a larger profit than Dainty would have if he'd sold them at the usual auction. He also reveals that he reinvested the money in a list of goods that, according to Dainty, are useless. The innkeeper's daughter warns the, that customers are entering and they decide Dudu should turn back into Dainty to not draw unwanted attention. Shortly after, a man walks in asking for the merchant Bieberveld, and Dudu uses this distraction to successfully make a run for it. The man who entered asking for Dainty came to collect taxes from him under the threat that if he didn't pay, he'd be sent to the dungeons. Dainty is able to stall his sentencing until the next day with the bribe of the little bit of money Dudu had in his purse that he left behind when he fled. We next cut to Geralt, Dandelion, and Dainty discussing the situation in a small square in the city. Dainty explains that if there's a demand for him to pay a tax, that must mean Dudu's investments have made a profit. While they're talking, they're approached by the temple guard and the highly feared minister for security affairs known as Chappelle. Chappelle has a reputation of being the most dangerous man in the city because of his ability to make people vanish, falsely accuse, torture, and assassinate people with impunity. Chappelle warns the three of them that the Spearblades innkeeper reported them for collusion with the mimic, but he's been imprisoned for blasphemy against the religion of the Eternal Fire, which basically serves as law in Novigrad. Chappelle explains that reporting any monsters or demons in the city is punishable because the sacred power of the Eternal Fire protects the city, and those reports would be doubting the Eternal Fire's legitimacy. He lets them know they're free to leave Novigrad, ideally immediately, but not before having a private hypothetical talk with the Witcher about whether or not Geralt would kill a Doppler for the guarantee that he and his friends would be allowed to leave the city alive. After Chappelle and his men leave, Dainty is approached by one of his merchant colleagues who's rather upset with him for not including him in his successful business dealings. Apparently, some of the goods Dudu invested in are now worth a lot more due to a coup in the country of Povis that has led to an increased demand in one of those products. Dainty decides they should go to the bank and speak to Vimy Vivaldi to get to the bottom of what's going on. At the bank, the dwarven banker Vimy Vivaldi goes over with Dainty a lot of the details on his successful investments. Apparently, even more of the investments are paying off by a significant amount. While they're meeting with the banker, gnomes continue to filter in and out of the room with status updates on offers made for the products Dudu bought, as well as Dudu's decisions on what to do with those offers. They ask one of the gnomes where the other Bieberveld is currently located and learn he's at the Western Market. The trio heads over to the Western Market to find him. They spot him, but he starts to flee. Geralt cuts him off in a tent, and the Doppler takes Geralt's form. In his form, he understands that Geralt would be disgusted to kill him and thinks he's free to go, now turning into a copy of Dandelion. Little does he know, Dandelion's former vengeful lover Vespula is also at the market. Geralt lets Dudu, as Dandelion, go free, but he's stopped by Vespula, who hits him over the head with a frying pan. He starts to lose his form, and Geralt covers him up, but Chappelle walks over and addresses Dudu by name and tells him to turn back into Dainty. He does so, and this is when we realize Chappelle is actually a Doppler, assuming the original Chappelle's identity. Dainty agrees that Dudu is his cousin and business partner, and the group set off for the bordello, the Passiflora. And that is the happy ending to Eternal Flame. Which is kind of nice to get a happy ending after a shard of ice. These Dopplers are new. We haven't heard about them at all 
in any of the stories until now. So a little bit of information about them. They are mostly extinct. The original settlers effectively hunted them because they were threatened by their ability to mimic. And Geralt mentions that their abilities are typically used as defense, not aggression. So the few left shouldn't be a threat. They can assume any form they wish with some exceptions. Apparently the body mass of the person or creature they assume must be similar. Uh, and Geralt uses this example. He says that um, they couldn't turn into a mouse or a mastodon, which I guess that makes sense. Uh, one of the things that Dandelion noticed when they were at the tavern was that the uh, clothes that Dudu was wearing when he was mimicking Dainty were, were almost exactly the same. Like, the, like I guess the fabric seemed exactly the same. So I think that he was using his own skin, like his own Doppler skin to mimic not just Dainty's body, but his clothes as well. So I guess that kind of explains why it wouldn't really make sense for them to be able to turn into something way smaller than them or way larger than them. Uh, their transmutations are prevented by silver. So the, I can't remember what it's called, a, a lycanthropy. Ugh, I can't remember. I should have written it down, but I didn't. Uh, it's basically what werewolves are. Like they can, you know, mutate. They have different forms, like, you know, a man and a werewolf. Apparently, uh, Geralt says that they can sometimes have three different forms. But the silver is normally lethal to that word that I cannot remember how it's pronounced. I can't, if I can, if I can read it, I can pronounce it, but I, I, I forget what it, how it's written out. But yeah, so basically silver would be lethal to a werewolf, but for these Dopplers, it's not going, it's not going to kill them, but it is going to prevent them from being able to um, transmutate, I guess would be the uh, verb form of transmutation. <laughs> That's not a word I'm that familiar with, but uh, it, it prevents them from being able to assume others' identity. So they actually use that when they're in the inn and they, and Dudu tries to flee the first time and they stop him. And uh, they wrap a silver chain. I don't think it was around his whole body, but around his wrists or around his arms. And yeah, he's not able to do anything. And then they take the they have to take the chain off in order for him to turn back into dainty. So the Dopplers want to live in Novigrad and become a part of the city's population and live a normal life. Otherwise, they're left to hunger and left to you know, the elements, the bad weather, the winter. Uh, Dudu says Novigrad owes him because it was built on the land Dopplers could have lived peacefully on. And you know what, from what we have learned up to this point from all of the short stories so far, this isn't surprising. <laughs> it's uh, It seems to be a very common thing for at least the human race to just take over whatever and push others out. And apparently they were hunting these Dopplers. I don't know if that also included elves and dwarves or if it was just humans, they'll tell us, but they definitely were not okay with well, they're obviously not okay with anybody that's different, and they're definitely not going to be okay with Dopplers, as we know. And they were native to Novigrad, and the humans, you know, built a city on that right after they got done taking out the majority of them. So it's kind of a classic situation for what the humans like to do in this world. Again, we're not told that it's specifically humans, but... I think we can safely assume that it is. So I think that they're pretty much the perfect creature for doing exactly what Doodoo does in the story for, um, you know, 
making investments and making money that way since they have the ability to find out from anyone anywhere what's going on in the world. I mean, it might be a bit tricky though, like Dudu had to whack Dainty over the head and he did get caught and it all turned out fine in the end, but it almost didn't. It could have ended up pretty badly for him. Um, They also can't always mimic someone whose life that they're not familiar with. You know, if you don't know somebody's routine, you know, where they go, where they're expected, you might risk you and the person that you're mimicking showing up at the same place at the same time. And that's obviously gonna cause a lot of trouble. But I do think that uh, he really used his ability to mimic in a very effective way, you know, a way that could make him a lot of money, except for the mistakes he made that got him caught. But, you know, if you are able to turn into anybody whenever you want, you could go anywhere and turn into the right people if you know what you're doing and learn about things that are going on in the world that otherwise you wouldn't be able to. So it was pretty smart. But besides the fact that he got caught. But I mean, it did work out for him. And now, I mean, he's going to have to split these profits with DNT, I guess, but still. Uh, anyway, the uh, people are suspicious of Dainty's access to knowledge because of his sudden financial success. So a lot of the goods that Dudu as Dainty invested in are things that most people would believe to be completely useless. It doesn't seem like it would make any sense for anybody to invest in that. But then all of a sudden, right after he after he does, they are extremely profitable. So <laughs> I thought it was really funny that it ends up looking worse when he's accompanied by Dandelion and a witcher, as Vivaldi points out. So Dandelion shows up in courts, like royal courts, so it looks like he's been spying on international affairs. You know, he's um, putting his ear to, to the ground and he's finding out all of these things about politics and you know, because he's around these kings and queens and princes and whatever. So it looks like Dainty was getting his knowledge from Dandelion, like they were working together in that. And then he's also got this witcher that he's with who has the appearance of being his bodyguard. And it's just a coincidence, which is, the really funny part. So it's funny because, you know, you you feel bad for Dainty because it just, the situation continues to get worse and worse for him. (laughs) And the reason I could say it's funny, like, I'm you know, I'm laughing at uh, somebody's misfortune, but it all works out for him in the end. That's the only reason I'm laughing because I wouldn't be laughing at something bad happening to a person if it didn't end up becoming good for them in the end, which he's probably going to be extremely successful with his new partnership with Dudu, who was mimicking him. Uh, Dudu invested in the oil and wax, and I think it was something else, um, like cotton string, I guess, so that they could sell it to the Eternal Fire, the you know the religion cult, whatever, in Novigrad, because they want to build altars all around the city. And the oil and the wax and the string can be used for these altars. And when you're using it for a religious thing, it becomes tax tax exempt. Uh, this was probably a tip from the Chappelle Doppler. And then it made me wonder because, you know, I was just saying how the uh, investments that he made that he knew about, I, I wonder if he was getting all of that information from the Chappelle Doppler, because I know they said that Chappelle liked to be 
like the first one to know things. He always wanted to know what was going on. The original Chappelle that was. So I wonder if people were telling this Doppler about the coup in Povis that they mentioned. Uh, one of the other things was Dudu invested in Mimosa Bark and Dainty at first, before he realizes what was going on with that, he says that Mimosa Bark is not good for anything. I think it was Vivaldi says, oh, it's used for tanning hides, but he says there's no point in buying expensive Mimosa Bark when you can buy... I think it was oak bark in Samaria for next to nothing. And then you find out that the Druids uh, are threatening to plague the land with like, locusts and something um, if they continue to cut down these oak trees. So that was something that Dudu found out about. And I don't know if it was from Chappelle or if it was just from him being very clever and strategic and just mimicking people all over the country or all over the world which seems like it would be a longer process, but one way or the other, it worked out for him. So good for him. Uh, the Eternal Fire, I just wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about that. I don't think we've, I know we haven't been given any details about that up until this story. I don't think it's been mentioned. Like, I don't think the words Eternal Fire have come up at all until this story. And I, I the reason I'm not too sure about that is because in this story, it's kind of something they use in their dialogue. It's like, like a like an enhancer kind of in the um in what they're saying they say things like oh by the eternal fire it's almost like saying like oh my god <laughs> so uh that's the only reason why i'm not sure if we haven't heard just the words at all but i know we haven't been given any specifics into what it is so uh some of the representatives of this religion seem to have a lot of power novigrad's secret service is apparently subordinate to the temple of the eternal fire and everyone fears Chappelle, who is the guy that's kind of running the show of this secret service. Uh, they're not very tolerant, the uh, people in charge of this religion. They burn people at the stake for blaspheming against it. I don't need to tell you why that's horrible. Uh, there's, you know, some lack of free speech there. Although they do, they do allow citizens of Novigrad to, they, they do give them the right to worship whatever gods and practice whatever religion they choose. They're not forced to pretend that they are about the eternal fire religion. So, I mean, there's at least there's that, but still, like, you can't say anything bad about it or they're going to burn you alive. Um, the followers of this eternal fire seem to hold it in a very high regard. They, um, well, considering... Chappelle says the presence of a Doppler would be impossible in a city where the internal fire burns. This is coming from Doppler Chappelle because the original Chappelle's dead. We know that for sure. But it's just interesting that, that, that they're even willing to say anything like that at all. And I think they know that that's not true. But still, like just, just to act like it's such a powerful thing that certain creatures or magic wouldn't be able to work inside of the city because that would be suppressing the power of magic. It's just, um, you know, you, you just see, um, you get a really good idea of the, the people who follow this religion. It's, it, it seems a little bit frightening. <laughs> well, we get some confirmation, which we, we, we basically knew already, but I did want to 
just talk about how it's completely official. We know since this is the first story after Geralt and Yennefer are no longer, um, it's, it's, it wasn't a temporary thing. They're definitely broken up. So depending on the amount of time that took place between when we last left off with Geralt at the end of A Shard of Ice and the beginning of this story, I, I wonder what he did to cope. And I just wonder about the timing because if, because if, if it was a decent amount of time, then he probably did something to cope with this loss that he has suffered. So I just wonder how he would handle that as somebody whose range of emotion is as limited as his. But yeah, sad, sad, sad. Okay, so the one thing that I was about to say at the beginning of this episode that I decided to just hold until we were talking about what went down in the story after the summary was that I love this story. I do. But it is, it sounds like I'm saying, like it sounds like I'm talking crap when I say this, but I'm really not. It's just, it's kind of filler. It's, it does, the story, like the whole, you know, series does not really get pushed forward in this story. It's just, um, it's, it's fun. I love it. This was one of my favorites when I read the books through the first time and I really enjoyed reading it for this podcast also, of course, but it's just, you don't really find out a whole lot of important information. And also Geralt, who's been the protagonist, he's just kind of along for the ride in the story. Like Dainty and Doodoo are the main focus in the story, which is fine. I mean, we, I'm not saying that we can't have a story where it's not all about Geralt, but it's, but I did just want to point that out because um, there is something that, um, continues the whole Witcher narrative in this story. It kind of does, um, you know, there is some continuity there where um, we talk a little bit, or not we talk about, but um, in the story discusses Geralt's principles or his code for the creatures he hunts, which I think is interesting. Um, so he wouldn't be willing to kill a Doppler if somebody hired him to do so, um, even though other people in the past were hunting them and, you know, effectively eliminating them uh but what he says about that is that um he doesn't kill members of intelligent races and i just think that it's interesting to get some more perspective on what Geralt does and doesn't do just, just to get to just to get some more character development understand him and his profession better because this is a profession that you know in a fantasy series there, there's some things that carry over from one series to the next that, you know, we, we already have a pretty good understanding of when we start a new fantasy series, but Witchers, I mean, that's something that's only in The Witcher. So I, I always just like to um, learn more about the specifics of this trade, this profession. So we know that he doesn't kill members of intelligent races. We pretty much have an idea that he's not willing to kill sentient beings for the most part. I don't think anybody would or not that I don't think anybody, I don't think he would if anybody hired him to kill a monster that doesn't harm anybody. He's not going to do that. And then there's also dragons. I really don't understand exactly why they're, I guess maybe he considers them to be members of intelligent races, but they are, I mean, they can be pretty destructive. <laughs> so there's that. But I, I just liked that there was this detail that did kind of continue the narrative, whereas the whole, the story as a whole, Kind of did it. <laughs> but like I said, I love this story. I'm not talking crap on it. 
it, but I think, you know, if you read it too, I think you'll agree. Uh, here's another detail though, that is a good example of what doesn't really continue the narrative, but it's still, it's still a good detail. I thought it was actually kind of adorable. Uh, one of the reasons that Geralt was in Novigrad was to buy himself a new jacket. And then it got ripped almost right away, but he had to, to pay him for a new one. Uh, that was his, um, you know, Judo offered to repay him for you know, being so understanding, not killing him and not outing him. Um, and he just wanted the money for a new jacket. <laughs> but it's just cute because you never thought, you would never think of Geralt caring about fashion, but you know, he just seemed excited about this new jacket. And um, I mean, I'm sure he doesn't buy himself new clothes very often. That's definitely, I can say this without having read it in the book, but he, that fashion is very low on his list of priorities. <laughs> so um, it's just, you know, I, th I just thought it was a little, it was a little cute for him to be excited about this jacket. And then, you know, he's like crushed when it was destroyed. Although, I mean, it was money that he just spent and we, we already know he doesn't make a lot of money anyway. <laughs> so uh, we get some Witcher signs. Sorry, we get two of the same Witcher signs. So we get the return of the Ard sign, which if you don't remember, it is like an invisible force and Geralt uses that when he's chasing Dudu who is at the moment mimicking Dainty in the streets of Novigrad or in the Western market in Novigrad and uh you know he throws the sign and it sends the walls of a tent flying upward and then he throws it at um, Dudu as Dainty again there's a lot of D names in this um in this story I feel like at some point during this episode I might have mixed somebody up there's Dudu, Dainty, Dandelion uh, so, uh, I hope I didn't uh, mix any of them up at any point, but I'm sure you, you would probably know who, who I actually meant if I did. So I apologize if I did, but I almost did it right now, but I caught myself. So that's why I'm thinking that. So yeah, the Ard sign, um, he uses that a couple of times. It's not as exciting as it has been. He's not using it in this, you know, fight to the death with some really scary monster, but it's a witcher sign. So, you know, I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> All right. To wrap this up, um, I don't have a lot of thoughts on a conclusion for this episode, um, you know, in the way of what we can expect to see next based on what happened in the story. And some of the stories are just like that, you know, because you get a beginning, a middle and an end in each story. Um, so we'll probably I'll probably have more closing thoughts on each chapter once we move on to the next book. But as of right now. Uh, it's just not the easiest thing, especially in a story like this. Um, one thing I will say, though, is that Geralt and Dandelion will hopefully stick together for a little bit uh, following the story. Uh, he could probably use the company of someone close while he's getting over again. And like I said, I don't know. Maybe he's already over Yennefer, but uh, I can imagine he's probably not completely over it. And it's nice for him to have somebody around because he just roams from town to town, place to place and i think that somebody who has feelings as he always thought he didn't have uh it, it's good for him to have somebody around and we care about Geralt, right we want him to <laughs> we want him to be happy so yeah that's the only thing i could really take away from the story um looking forward to the next story is just hopefully um he and dandelion stick together for some time but we will explore that in a little sacrifice the next story and i will say that was my number one favorite story 
when I read these books through the first time. Uh, I, I love them all, but this one was my favorite. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for the next episode. I am. I haven't started rereading it yet, but I'm excited to reread it. I'm excited to talk about it. It's a, yeah, it's a good one. And I don't know if a lot of people also love this story as much as I do. I mean, I feel like they love it, but I don't know if they also, um, if like if a lot of people would consider it their favorite, but yeah, we'll talk about it. And then I was going to say, let me know what you think about it, but have, we'll, we'll save that. <laughs> we'll save that for the next episode. I'm getting ahead of myself here. All right. So thank you so much for listening. I really, really, really appreciate it. And if you would like to listen to this episode in any other place that might be more convenient, I'm just letting you know right now, it's available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all under the same name, Stan Fiction and Fantasy Fun. On YouTube, there is a video. Um, if you haven't checked out YouTube, just uh, just so you're not disappointed, I'll let you know that. On, the video is just me sitting in front of a camera. Um, I'm just sitting here. A lot of the time I'm looking at my computer in front of me so I can look at my notes. It's uh, nothing exciting. I, I don't have like cool animations on the screen that are illustrating what I'm talking about or anything. I just thought, I thought about that the other day when I was, um, when I was editing one of these and I thought, I hope nobody that's listening on like Spotify or Apple podcasts, hears me say that and they go to my YouTube channel and then they just see me talking to a camera and talking to a computer because <laughs> I know I look down a lot. Um, and then they're just like, what? This is stupid. <laughs> so I'm just warning you. I don't want you to be disappointed when you just see my face. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you again and goodbye. <laughs>